This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. I want to take a minute to let you know all about a brand new contest put on by my friend, Bello Cipriani, who you heard in episode 114 telling us all about queerness, blindness, and disability. Well, he started a publishing company a while back called Ola Books, and they are committed to amplifying the stories of disabled writers. This year, in partnership with Pen to Paper, an international creative writing competition with the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities, Oleb Books has announced a new award for disabled writers, the Oleb Books Personal Essay Award. For this inaugural award, the team has chosen the theme of disabled parents. Now, I know there are so many disabled parents out there with something to say and a story to tell. What are the challenges of being disabled and raising a kid? What is disabled pregnancy like? Could you be a disabled mom or dad, or neither, or both? And so much more. Winners of this contest will receive $50 and have their essay featured in an anthology published by Oleb Books and be part of a big national marketing campaign. You can enter the contest by heading over to olebbooks.com contests or you can click on the link in the show notes of today's episode of Disability After Dark. Thanks, friends! Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza. I'm a disability awareness consultant, crippled content creator, your disabled Dick Smith, your deliciously disabled lover, and I'm here to remind you, of course, that disabled people are hot. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started. First things first, I want to give a big, giant shout-out to one of our new Patreon supporters who went on to cripple content and pledged $20, and I want to thank Kate Wolofsky for doing that, who sent me a great, adorable email about how much the show means for her and how it's important for her and her husband to both listen to my show, and I am super honored that you would put your hard-earned dollars down for that. So, Kate Wolofsky, you... I don't have a pun for Wolofsky, but you are awesome, and thank you so much. All of you who put your money down will be able to get the show a day early before everybody else. And if ever I decide to do cool 
different things and have have a Patreon type show, you'll get it there. But I probably won't because I want to make sure that everything stays off a paywall. But I really appreciate the support. It means so much. Your support helps to keep the show going, helps to keep um, me paying my monthly fees for the feed for the podcast. All that stuff really means a lot, and I really appreciate that you support crippled content and disability-driven content like this. So, again, thank you so much. If you want to pledge as little as $1 a month to the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash content. But now, I am so excited for this episode. I have a guest on the show that I cannot wait for you to listen to. Let's get started. On today's episode, I sit down with a new friend from the UK, Rue Bernasconi, who talks to me all about being fat, queer, a crippled punk, sexuality and polyamory, sexuality, disability, and surgery, um what it's like to be polyamorous and disabled and fat, all of these things. We have a great conversation. There was so much going on here, I don't even know how to label it, but I had such a good chat with him. I cannot wait for you to hear this. And also, we flirted for like the the whole hour we were together. It was a great, fun time. And I love talking to my guests across the pond. So if you are in the UK and you listen to me and you want to be a guest... I want to have you on the show, basically. That's what's happening. Um, but this uh, this episode with Rue was just really powerful, and they said a lot of things about fatness, queerness, and disability that, that resonated with me. They said a lot of things about scoliosis surgery that resonated with me as a disabled person. We just got on, like, really, really quickly. Um, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Here's my interview with Rue Bernasconi right now on Disability After Dark. Rue Bernasconi, hello. Hi. Hi, I'm so, I, this is another one of those interviews that I am so happy it's happening because scheduling is a bitch sometimes and wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, very pleased it's happening. I'm very excited. I am. I'm so excited. We've been planning this now for I want to say three, four months. Ah, uh, I was gonna say it's easily been. Oh, it's nearly five now since I, I first reached out. Yeah. I am. Yeah, upset. when I've. I, I am the worst. Uh, host. The worst. <laughs> it's not the worst. It was literally just before Christmas. Come on, be fair to yourself. I will do better. Um, <laughs> anyway, hello, welcome. I am so happy you're here. I know a little bit about you, and I gave the audience kind of a rundown of who you are. Why okay. don't you introduce yourself to us, and we'll start from there. Okay, okay. so I would use the words uh, cripple punk, mostly. Um, for those who don't know, um, it is a way of being disabled where you just don't give a fuck. <laughs> you just don't. Sorry, can I swear? I, I uh, need yes, to double check. Yeah, you totally can. Swear away. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a part political, part lifestyle sort of thing. It's where my politics and my lifestyle are completely inseparable. And I am disabled. I am angry, and I will tell you about it. Amazing. <laughs> so, I feel like we just figured out the title of this episode. I don't know yet. Um, you, you can use it that way if you want. Yep. It, I might just. Uh, 
So, hey, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. Hi. Um, one of the Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot your first time. This is your first podcast ever. So, first very, time, very first. I'm honored that it's your very first. And we talked a few minutes ago about how you were nervous. And, like, don't be nervous. It's just me being a goof on the computer. And it's fine. It's good. Don't worry. It's just you being adorable is all. I mean, I know I am. I know. <laughs> we could flirt with each other all the live long day. Um, also, you're British, which is you've heard me say before is like my favorite thing. So yay! <laughs> I I'm not blushing for the audience. I am definitely not blushing. You so are. I can see you. Uh, all right. So so there. So let's let's um, let's jump right in. When you did your questionnaire, you gave me so many things we could talk about, and I want to jump into the very first thing is. And something that that you put in your questionnaire was that you're you identify as a fat person, and mm-hmm. I really want to get in with that because I don't think we talk enough about disability, weight, sexuality, yeah. and how all those things play together for you. So, so yeah, share that with us. Well, how does that intersect for you? Okay, so um, a lot of the thing I think that I'm most sick of from Abel's is the assumption that I am disabled because I am fat. Just FYI, I was disabled long before I was fat. And if anything, my fat is a consequence of the lack of access to care. Like, my fat is a direct consequence of lack of disabled care. So your (laughs) fatness is a direct consequence to ableism? Oh yeah, oh yeah, like, I I love my fat body, I would not change it, I've always been bigger than is what is expected of anyone, but I've always liked my body, it has gotten fatter and more unacceptable by both medical and social standards, the worse care I get. (laughs) So, it's... Okay. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean I think so, I just think fatness is so like I think I just think and so many disabled people that I know are fat and that's and I would agree with you it's partially because we don't receive the the quality of care to if we wanted to and if you if you want to be fat and that's how you want to live your life I support you but I think because we're disabled we're forced into these body types that we don't necessarily want to be in Oh yeah, we we don't get enough option. For example, so my disability is started as scoliosis. Um, started as precocious puberty and scoliosis. The precocious puberty and the growth spurts made the scoliosis a lot worse. Yeah, I was a sport. I was I was very very good at sports. Um, I was getting to be like county level of sports particularly things like shot put and um, discus and spots like that. Um, um, people that do do discus and shot put are super hot, so yay! Yeah, I was I was district champion for two years running before before my scoliosis operation at uh, 13. They wanted to do it on my 13th birthday. My mother oh, thought like... That's yeah, really... my, my mother thought like fuck to make sure that did not happen. That's a horrible birthday gift. Oh yeah. And they told me when I went in 
um, that I would be back to sports. I would be back to doing everything that I loved within six months, okay. seven months at most. I've not done sports since. <laughs> oh, wow. And how old are you now? I'm 27. Um, All right. So, like, so literally yeah. half your you haven't done sports in half your life. Yeah, I've tried. Oh, oh, fuck me. I, tr- I really damaged myself so much trying to, like, lose the weight. Because after the operation, after not being able to do sports, I gained weight. It's inevitable. Of course. It's it's inevitable. You stop action 100%. When I, you... And I, I, I totally understand. When I was a kid, when I was younger, I would crawl up and down my mom, my mom's hallway as a form of exercise she would make me do that as a form of like come on Andrew you yeah. have to move your body and so I hated it but I did it because I had to and when I yeah. got my surgery I remember the first week after being home I tried to crawl and do what I hadn't done and my, yeah. I couldn't do it anymore and I realized kind of at that young age that I couldn't crawl anymore yeah. and I was like okay well I guess I can't do that and so you slowly start losing these touchstones of like stuff you could do when especially with that back surgery that surgery is hard that surgery oh, is not yeah. easy i yeah i it went wrong i was a guinea pig i right so um i'm not going to say the doctor's name because he has a very distinct distinctive name and he is a world specialist okay and i'm i'm not going to get myself into any trouble by saying his name all right but i I was a guinea pig for one of his surgeries and he was trying a new way of closing up the, the, the surgery Yeah, and it didn't work quite as intended because I was heavier than his other patients and healing did not go as intended and he did not tell me I was a guinea pig until well after the surgery. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest? And they're like, oh yeah, we just tried a thing on you. Sorry, bye. And you're just like, oh great. Well, what about me? Yeah, it, it, he told me. Oh no, no, he didn't tell me. He left the country, hasn't been back since he's off doing more research somewhere. Um, his secretary told me, oh, no. along with telling me that he wouldn't be back or and that I couldn't do anything about it legally because the time had expired. Fuck. So if you fucked up They'd your life... They'd waited. Yeah, okay. they waited to tell me that it was an experiment, a cosmetic experiment at that is what they called it. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they waited long enough so that I could not do anything legally speaking. Um, that would have that would fuck anybody up, but especially if you're a young disabled person trying to figure it out. Fuck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So my disability is very much linked to my fatness in a way that I never wanted. Like yeah. I, I was always going to be a considered fat by society. My mom was a plus size woman, she was oh you'd have loved her. Um but you would have you would have gotten on with her like a house on fire, but she was she was fat. And I knew I was always going to be fat fat, but this 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 is feeling trapped in my own body in unhealthy ways. Uh, you can be fat and healthy if you want to, but if you if disability takes that away from you, yeah, there's a, definitely a sense of betrayal, and there's a sense of like if if you wanted to lose X pounds for yourself, not to remove the fatness from your life, but just to feel better. Oh yeah, 
I mean, I've managed to lose a little bit of work, a little, I mean, a little bit, and that is purely through education of myself and what food I can do for you and purposely, I mean, I may have taken the education slightly too far, I decided to become a chef before uh, before mental breakdown happened, I was a chef. Awesome. Um, yeah. And, so when and, I come I, there in September, you're going to cook for me? Because then is what's happening. Oh, oh. Please, like, no, you don't understand. I, I feed people. I am, I am in a non-sexual way. I am a feeder. I love his food. <laughs> so, and I, I, I have never eaten British food. So, oh. I mean, I've eaten it. I've eaten like the Canadian versions of it, but I've never had like British food. So, when no. I come there, UK friends, all of you who are listening across the pond, I will be in London <laughs> from. September 16th, 2019 to the 25th of September. So feed me. Seriously. That's that's my birthday. 24th oh. of September is my birthday. Well, we no, have to get together. We have oh, to get together. I, I have to figure out how to get my wheelchair sorted. No, this isn't this is this isn't a game anymore. It's this happening. is happening. <laughs> I have to come and see you and Aiden. It has to happen. We have to. Aiden, for anyone listening, who, like, for anyone listening, and I was like, "What's happening?" Basically, I'm coming to London, and I want to see all my London. I want to see all my UK peeps. And um, Aiden is somebody who works at Fifty Six Dean Street in London. London, yeah, yeah. London. Um, he works specifically for Clinic U, which is the trans focused, I believe. Um, part of the clinic. That's right. And he's all around Aiden J. Walton. He That's is right. absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yes. He is amazing. So good. So, random tangent. Anyone listening? Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep that in, not editing that out because I can't edit worse shit. So. No, moving forward. This is just keep moving forward. Back to fatness. Yes. Right. Back to fatness. <laughs> <laughs> just. To fatness, it's all good, right? So, uh, we mentioned sports. Oh, yeah. Um, so being fat and being queer is a wild trip, right? So, I decided just uh, I want to say maybe six months ago that I was going to try dating apps. <laughs> oh, wow, how was that, that for you? Oh, oh, that, that, right? Okay, so I can, I uh, being non binary, I am trans mask. My pronouns for anyone interested are they, he. But I still have a very strong attachment to my femininity and to not womanhood, but woman adjacent. Yeah. Um, I cannot remove my childhood. I cannot remove the socialization that I have experienced growing up as someone who was perceived as female. Yeah. Um, so I still have that attachment. Um, but so I, I tried both lesbian and gay apps i've i've, I've done so the full you've done the range Grindr, you've done the tinder you've done oh. i've done her i've done yeah i've done the full range i did okay cupid i did uh what was the bear one called growler a growler oh growler was <laughs> growler was wild um and i can tell you I, i'm not sure which most cishet gays hate fat people or trans people it is or disabled, or when I, feel I, like when I they really don't like disabled. They really, or they they like us, but they get really, oh, what happened to you? Oh, I'm so sorry. That kind of stuff. 
if I hear one more person ask me, oh, right, let me think of the exact wording because it is so, and I can't, it's, what is it? It's, why are you in the situation that you are? It's this real British way of like, of like politely putting you down. Yeah, yeah, right, because in almost all my dating apps, straight up, right up front, I put that I am polyamorous, that I am in a long-term relationship with a trans woman. Yeah. If that bothers you, you're out. Fuck it up, yeah, I'm yeah. F- yeah. I'm fat. If that bothers you, you're out. I'm disabled. If that bothers you, you know, I, I put all my... I, I'm not going to call them flaws, what other people might, but, like, I put all my shit right up front well, so that no flaws. one can they're, say... What I would call them is their identity pieces of who you... They make up the you, so, yes. Yeah, and so then, instead of, like, asking me anything specific, like, saying, you know, how did you end up in a relationship with trans women or anything, they'll just go, so how did you get into that situation? And I never know which bit of me they're on about, like... Yeah, you're like, which part? The disabled part, the trans part, the queer part? Like, which part do you want to talk about? And, and nine times out of ten, it's either, how did you end up disabled? It's like, well, I was born. <laughs> I, I, I was born, that, that's how I ended up disabled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or it's, how did you end up with a trans woman? It's like, well, I, you know, I'm trans myself. Like, that tends to happen. Yeah, because it's community. <laughs> Like, it's so, and those apps, I think those apps and Grinder and Scruff and all those ones are built for cishet white men who are able-bodied. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, like, ooh yeah. The the, the gay ones are definitely, the, the gay male aimed ones, are definitely what we would call over here, I don't know if it's a term used much, but meat market, we would, it's a, oh, it's yeah. a meat market. It's the same yeah, thing. exactly, it totally is. And I think I'm I'm super guilty of, like, indulging in that because when it's two a.m., you're like I I want to support your politics, but I also just want to see your junk, and then I want to go to bed. Oh, see, it's, oh, I, see I, I can relate a little bit, but I'm not like that. I strangely enough, I I want to talk more about politics than I want to see people's junk. I mean, like, I've reached this weird plateau in my like, in my life now. I'm I'm 35. I'll be 35 in like two months. I've reached this weird no. plateau where I'm like, I want to I want to talk about your politics and suck your dick at the same time. Can we do those two yes. things together? Please? Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think because I did a lot of sexual stuff very young. I sex. I yeah. <laughs> Emotions yeah, don't aren't at all attached of, to it. You kind of like you kind of threw some of that stuff down there. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of I want to jump right into that because you like yep. one, one of the things you said was you said you said that actually wait let's not go there first. I want to ask you about like autism and sex and okay. how you talk about like how intimacy for you is real is can be as as simple or as, as like, it's not a big deal, but it's also a huge deal yeah. because you, like, hold hands or cuddle and that's a big deal. So talk about, like, yeah. how your autism and cuddling and hand-holding, how does that play in? Okay, so for me, touching of any kind is pretty much all at the same level. 
Okay. So a handhold to me is as intimate as a fuck. Wow. Like they are both on the set. Like yeah, I could have sex with people that I don't necessarily like because I find them attractive. Like that. Yeah. If if porn was accessible, I would totally be a porn star because sex to me does not have any emotional links. Like it's better if if I know the person beforehand yeah. and like reliably if i know the person beforehand i can guarantee that i'm gonna orgasm that time or you know like at least once but i don't need to know a person or care about a person to be able to fuck them like yeah i i don't i would sooner fuck someone than let them hold my hand for extended periods of time that to me is more uh a person in my space yeah that's an intimate like thing and because we think of like in in traditional kind of cis white able dating ideas, when you hold hands, that's part one. When you put your organs next to each other, that's part five, and you're like, that's it's time to go. Yeah, that never made any sense to me at all. Like, I I always thought I was a bit weird because um, my autism wasn't noticed at all i'm technically undiagnosed um i i am sure that some people would have some opinions so if you have a comment section anywhere i am sorry um <laughs> i don't and i won't because you are self-identifying so fuck everybody else yeah um but i had multiple autistic friends turn to me and just be like so, are you autistic? And I was like, well, um, no. What? Like, and they, they were like, oh, we just kind of assumed, like, because you don't have to disclose to friends even, but they just kind of assumed that I was autistic and not disclosing. And it's like, oh, no, that had never, ever been a consideration for me. And they were just like, well, why not? Like, he is, he is a whole handful of evidence in the time we've known you that would seem to indicate that you're a lot like us, <laughs> like, you know. Um, and because it wasn't, like, noticed by the adults in my life, um, a lot of things happened backwards for me. Like, my first date I didn't have until I was, like, nearly 21, uh, but I lost my virginity at, like, 13. Oh, like. Wow. Yeah, romance and and stuff never really made sense to me. Biology makes sense. Sex makes sense. Like so touching can, the yeah, you can fuck a lot easier than you can like get into a relationship with somebody. Oh yeah, much much easier. It's it's oh relationships don't relationships are hard work. Fucking is fun. <laughs> you sound like you sound like every gay cis white guy in grass right now. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> call me out I don't know call me out 100% it's because communication it, it have not having the words all of the time and not being able to make other people understand words when I use them sometimes it's difficult to have the emotional closeness yeah and so when you fuck People. somebody, you don't, you can, your, your autism doesn't have to play a part in that. You can just fuck. Yeah. In fact, it plays a bigger part in it because for me, fucking is a form of stimming. Um, the oh, sensations, what? coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the sensation, like, oh, 
I was terrible as a kid. I masturbated. Oh, like, oh, I was... I now know it was stimming. I now know that it was a form of self-soothing in the most hilarious kind of way. But <laughs> I, I, I masturbated in the most inappropriate places, including oh in church. Tell, oh my god! <laughs> Tell me those stories. I'm so ready. So, right, I don't. I've, masturbation isn't about orgasming for me. It is about the act of movement. It's the it's the action. It's the control adrenaline surge. It's the endorphin surge it's the very chemical making the chemical reactions happen in my brain yeah i know if i touch my clit that brain's going to send endorphins that's going to stop pain that's going to stop overwhelming that's going to have a lot of beneficial effects all around so is jerking off kind of your way of like turning your autism down a little bit yeah it dulls everything like like that my favorite bit is like the 10 15 minutes after orgasm where everything's just white noise numb white noise numb just for 10 minutes so i'm an ex-opiate addict um not i am 100 percent for opiates in the correct usage however the system in britain is very different to over in north america yeah. and the doctor's Far too quick with a prescription pad and a 15-year-old. No. Wow, a 15-year-old? I was on morphine from the age of 14 up to 18 when I went cold turkey because I could not remember the last four years of my life. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, so the closest thing for me to the same bliss that opium uh, opiates would give me, that morphine and uh, oromorph and all that, would give me is the 10 minutes after masturbation the 10 minutes post-orgasm with that white noise bliss is the exact same thing that morphine did for me i kind of want to call this episode white noise clit (laughs) (laughs) that is fantastic yes i kind of want to call it that (laughs) oh my god yes that's That's what i might just call it um so you so you're masturbating in church awesome yeah we're already best friends yeah uh, yeah, <laughs> as a Catholic, that was a that was a oh, being raised a Catholic that was that was a big no no that was a big big no no. <laughs> I can I think that's a big no no regardless of how you were raised. I just think you're not supposed to do that. I'm sorry, I'm pagan. No, like I choose to be pagan, and we fucking church all the time. <laughs> I mean, I would totally do it, but I think that like I think that like. I think you're not just supposed to, but I think it's awesome. Um, I want to talk about how you, you, I want to talk about all the threesomes and foursomes and orgies you've had with okay. people and how, yes. and you, cause you put this in your questionnaire, which is what, it, which is why I think it's so awesome. You were like, I've had threesomes and foursomes and orgies with friends, some great, some awful. And I watched my fiance fuck a fair amount. Yes. So how are, because you talk about like, stimming and comfort and touching and all that stuff how how are threesomes and foursomes and orgies how does disability play with that or does or is your mind able to just fuck okay so right i will give you two examples i'm ready so my best orgy and my worst and they will very much demonstrate how disability interacts so we'll start with the good and then we'll go on to the bad i'm ready i'm so ready the good was 
a group. Oh, I want to say there was like there was eight of us. Whoa! All, all queer. At least four of us were trans, like out at the time, but at least two of us have come out since that time. So we were all, there was a lot of trans people there. Um, we're all kinky. Um, I we'd had threesomes and stuff with a few of the people involved. Um, and it basically was just the eight of us in one bedroom together. And occasionally people would just start doing like, for example, um, one of my best friends started going down on their partner while everyone else was just watching and encouraging. And then as that happened, someone else started, you know, sort of going down on someone and then someone else started sucking cock and it just, it just evolved really naturally because we'd started talking about play sessions in terms of kink and safe words and yeah. stuff. And then someone had brought out, um, have you heard of a Wartenberg pinwheel? I have not. Right. So it's essentially, you know, the spiky wheel on a stirrup yeah. on cowboy boot stirrups. It's basically one of them with a handle. It's for sensation play, but they had kept it in their bedroom drawer and it was their bedroom that we were all in and they just pulled that out and was like have you seen this new toy and the conversation just led naturally to we were all friends we were all comfortable i had pillows there were so many pillows it was pillows dream. Enabled sex are the best yes yes exactly there was just all of the pillows were accommodated for And then the worst one, oh, the worst one, same group of people, except there was an addition. Someone had invited a friend and uh, had not cleared it with the rest of us. There was a random person who did not know the rest of us and they were invited in. And uh, we all tried to be very sort of, you know, welcoming and sort of, Nice, <laughs> but they did not give a fuck about triggers. Oh no! They they did not give a fuck about like being aware of because I wasn't the only disabled person there yeah. because my partner uh, Lami she's disabled as well, um, and there was a few other disabled people there, a mix of sort of mental illness and physical illness. Um, this person was loud and. Volume is a trigger for several people in the group. Yeah. So, like, unexpectedly loud. They were making really crass sort of biosensualist jokes. Um, they were... it, And then, to sort of piece the resistance, they kicked my foot by accident, but my feet swell to, like, four or five times the size of normal feet. Um, it's... I think to do with joint problems, they are investigating. I have no idea. The, story, the mystery of disability. Yeah, it's one of the things that the doctors are investigating, but he kicked my feet and then I cry because I was in a lot of pain and he just sort of turns to me and is just like, can you move out my way, please? I'm trying to get to this guy's cock. Oh. And like, and he was just like, do you know what? So I just left 
and I just I had the most pa- like because I couldn't leave leave. Um, yeah. I went into the bathroom and I just sobbed and had the biggest bout of PTSD I'd had in a very long time. Well, I can imagine My, if you're in a vulnerable space and you have disabilities and this person doesn't give a, doesn't care and doesn't isn't yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He it, it wasn't just me. He was like that too, and. I appreciate that he had been invited there under the assertion that we were all just going to get down and fuck. And, you know, sort of, he had expectations. But literally no one else had been informed of his expectations and no one fucking knew him. And I may be okay with having sex with people that I don't know, but I'm not okay with, like, my family and my friends feeling uncomfortable and feeling forced. Of course. No one is. (laughs) And I think with disability too, like, it's, really important to discuss that stuff beforehand oh yeah it was it was it was an interesting night <laughs> some texts were sent the next day that weren't particularly pleasant <laughs> oh, i can imagine i can imagine um t- speaking of like kinky stuff tell me yeah? about how tell me about what the kink scene is like for you as a disabled fat quibble person and then tell okay. me about kind of how you do you talk about how people like have turned you down a lot in kinky settings, which you would mm-hmm. think is something that wouldn't happen a lot because kink is supposed to be about acceptance and, and all that stuff. And it sounds like for you that hasn't really been the case. Um, I Yeah. So I cannot speak for the wider UK. I can only speak for where I live. And I, I'm not giving specifics, but Northeast UK for anyone who is familiar with the UK. Um, and... The people that I know from the scene, personally, if they're not queer, then I probably wouldn't go near them in a in a kinky setting. Um, the scene up here encourages some behaviours that aren't okay with me. Um, and th- a lot of people up here are very into edge play. And not that there isn't anything wrong with edge play. I 100% support pushing your boundaries. However, that needs to be a discussion to be had. Of course. <laughs> that, 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 as with anything, as with any good sex, there needs to be a discussion had about edge play. And that isn't just one or two people. That is multiple people pushing boundaries that they were told not to. Um, multiple times, um, everything from calling me fat piggy. Um, Whoa, often. no, no. I mean, if that's if you and a person discuss that as like your sex word, sure. But if that's yeah, nope, nope. I am, I am one hundred percent not into anything where it's like humiliation about my weight because of bullying of and course, because of because of all the stuff that you yeah yeah yeah. So like, multiple people have like called me like horrific things to do with my weight mostly around farmyard animals um that seems to be a very common you know sort of um calling me an animal um pig is the most common one and saying things like oink oink and like during yeah. during king play yeah yeah this consent, is what and they, they expect that you're gonna get off on that they, they i think that's what they think uh, more, i'm a sub um i do dom um, but really? I, I would have imagined, just from looking at you, I don't see you as a sub, I don't, that's, uh, 
Oh no, Andrew! I I am I am a I'm a dom. I I, I do dom. I I thoroughly oh, I thoroughly <laughs> love doming. Shh! You didn't see that look. The look um, on your face right now is my favorite thing ever. Um no, I I do dom. I love to dom. Um, but I started life and have spent most of my sexual life subbing. Um, just because it. As someone who was perceived as male up until uh, female up until three years ago, it's much easier to find someone to top you than it is for someone to top. Yeah. Um. So any 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 sort of sexual thing was Mike's goal was to explore rather than to find out what I liked. Um. So I've had people while I've been tied up call me horrific things. I've I've had people go well beyond my pain limits because I told them that I have numb areas of my body, uh, which I do. Yeah. I have certain areas um, on my thighs, uh, a patch on my back that uh, surface level numb, like the skin itself is numb, but it, I can feel like say if you hit it, I could feel it. Yeah. But, like, surface level is very numb. And I've had people, like, use dangerous things in that area that where I can't feel it. And it's just... Yeah, while I've been tied up. And it's just, like, because I like rope play. So, yeah, it's... I've also had people turn me down for playing um, because they have this weird thing. So... I don't know how much you know about rigging and suspension in terms I've, of rope play. I've seen it done, and I know that like people get like hooks in their nipples and shit, and then they like. That's not for me. No, no, no. I'm not one of no, no. my fiance. She's a weirdo. I love her, but she likes that kind of pain. Um, not that it's weird. It's just for me personally. My nipples are so sensitive. I, I, I think I'm I would cry. My nipples. If anybody wants to do things <sighs> with my nipples, let me know. I, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. Aiden warned me you were trouble. Um, did he? So, he did. He did warn me that you were trouble. He best um, <laughs> He will be. I'm sending him the link. Um, so, <laughs> it's his fault. He can at least listen to it. <laughs> but um, no. So there is a lot of suspension and rigors in my area in terms of the kink clubs. And I've seen women who were probably about the same weight, but I'm very tall. I am six foot one. Um, wow. Yeah, I am super tall. It's the it's the surgery. It it gave me like an extra four inches overnight on my spine. Wow. And yeah, it was wild, painful, but wild. But the suspension at the kink clubs. I have seen women who were probably about the same size as me, but smaller. So they, like, height-wise. So they carry the weight differently. Right. And because of my autism, I'm eerily good at guessing people's weight once I've seen, like, seen them. So I could tell you, 90% of the women that I've seen who are plus size and being rigged and suspended were probably about the same weight I am. But because of how I wear it differently and because I um, have always had very um, loud sort of gregarious personality when I'm around people. They, I don't know, they seem to 
get put off and then they immediately look at my size and they're like oh no sorry we can't lift you it's like but you you've li- i've literally watched you like no more than a half hour 45 minutes ago like do someone who was weighs about the same as me easily like easily and like oh no well we don't want to break this the break this the suspension rig and stuff and it's just like what a good rigger would adapt their rig and put multiple points of um anchor in along the body yeah. to spread the weight out yeah. and knows how to do that and the way that they talk about if you're disabled <laughs> don't I feel like not um, I'm trying to figure out how to word this Just word I feel it. like a, <laughs> a, a lot of people hear disability in the kink scene they get very afraid they get very worried that they're going to do something wrong that they're gonna damage me in some way that's gonna you know make things worse for me in terms of my disability but that just takes away from my understanding of myself like you you think you know me better than i know me like why can't you trust me to like use my safe words that i know like what my disability can allow me to do so if i want to get rigged let me get rigged yeah, or like, for example, there was someone else who wouldn't do electro play with me. They were specifically worried about the titanium in the rods in my back. Okay. And they, were, they, they honestly weren't sure about, like, the electricity. But me, I've done research on electro play because it's something that I've wanted to do for a while. I don't do anything without research. So, and I know that, do you have like, a sexy spreadsheet of like research things? Please tell me you have one. I have several. I I have <laughs> I, I, I have several. I'm not even joking. I have several. I know you're not. I have, that's awesome. <laughs> I actually have. Uh, there is one open at the moment that's all about DIY sex toys, but that's an entirely separate thing. Um, but no, the the idea that I don't understand my own body well enough, or that somehow you know more about kink that I'm interested in to apply it to my body, which you have no knowledge of. Yeah. Like, outside of what I've told you, you have no knowledge of my body. And you want to think that your knowledge of kinks usurps my knowledge of my own body. It doesn't. Like, yeah. <sighs> and I mean, again, that just sounds so ableist. Like, why? Like, come on, kink community. Like, you need to not do that. Yeah, there is some wonderful clubs. The accessibility is much better than than some horror stories I've heard from some of the clubs down south. I will say that in terms of wheelchair accessible and in terms of having disabled toilets and in terms of having quiet spaces to go to to decompress, yeah. we do quite well up here. We, we, I will say I've always had a space to retreat to. And I've always had a space where I felt safe to be sad or be, like, you know, a bit distressed or have a bit of a breakdown because something's gone wrong. Yeah, or just be Uh, disabled in that moment with yourself. Yeah, yeah. There is always those kinds of spaces. Um, But that does not say anything of the people that run the events as a whole. (laughs) That sounds pretty universal. Like, it sounds like... Everyone that I've talked to on the show who've been to any any whether it's in the UK or whether it's in like North America, it seems like the event 
organizers need to really brush up on ableism and they need to really understand it because more and more people with invisible disabilities and visible disabilities and multiple disabilities are going to come into their kink space and be like, I need this access support. What are you going to do for me? Yeah, um, we have things called munches. Uh, kink people, um, I, I, I'm assuming that they, yeah, no, kink, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, it's, I, it's universal. Yeah, I was just like, wait, it is universal because I've been on FetLife for a while and I was just trying to remember if I saw the word munches in any of the other posts and I totally did. Brain blank there. Anyway, um, no, I went to a local munch and I had my stick and I'd been talking to a few people online previous to that, like not mentioned that I was disabled, not mentioned because I was young. I was about 18, 19 at this point. Um, when I first like officially started going out into the kink community, you know, like started doing the rounds and stuff. Yeah. And the second they saw the stick, they left. Oh they no! Just, they they didn't. Two separate people. This happened with. They didn't even say hello. They got up, walked past me to the door, and then left. So you said, "Hey, how are you? Hey, hello." And they looked yes. at you, got oh, up, and like... You know, I didn't even get a chance to say, hey, hello. I just sort of looked, saw them, they saw me, they left. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. 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 So what you're saying thing. is ableism is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. That's that's definitely a thing. Have you had any like positive kink experiences with disability? Um, hmm. I mean, oh yes, yes, actually, yes, right. Um, so a gentleman um, who was like, uh, I can't remember what his official title was, but the people who are placed in the dungeon by the event organizers in case anything goes wrong to help, like you know, deal with people. Yeah. Um, I, I believe he, it was like title of Dungeon Master or something like that, I don't bloody know right now. But he um, noticed that I started like dissociating real badly. So my fiance had me tied to a St. Andrew's cross um, and it's a wooden thing where I'm spread out and it's just arms and legs like uh, cuffed to it. Um, but we didn't have cuffs, so she roped me up. But she'd used the wrong rope tie. Um, she didn't know at the time. And I fainted because of pain. And he managed to hold me up. And he helped bring me around from this dissociative sort of fainting place that I was at. And he stayed with me for a good, I want to say, hour. This, this guy sat by me he gave me a bit of chocolate to like help you know sort of with shock he asked me if I had any medical sort of things I explained about how I've got some pain problems I've got you know uh, PTSD problems he got me a blanket he made sure that I was like out of the way of other people there's like a dark curtained bit that yeah, they yeah. can take you to he took me there he laid me down and he said is that comfortable on your back and like every single thing he did he asked the entire way and it was just one of those moments where it could have gone horribly wrong 
it, everything could have gone really wrong. Lamy was really freaked out, bless her. She was, oh, God bless her. <laughs> she was freaked. He was great with her as well, like, because he was a dom with, like, I want to say 40 at least years experience. Wow. And just, oh, yeah, we've got some veterans up here who can be good if you get them on a one-on-one basis. <laughs> I think that's really awesome because usually, like, you hear the horror story and you never hear of, like, someone really taking the time to make sure that somebody with a disability is okay. Oh, yeah. It could have it could have gone horrifically, but thanks to organizers make sure making sure the right people are in the dungeon at the right times and making sure that they have multiple people monitoring the dungeon so that when he left there was already people there to replace him yeah so so that they weren't without someone else there in case anything else happened and just it's important to make sure that you have the right people (laughs) Yeah, and I, I, that's why I think like these. That's what I, not not just the organizers, but I think everybody that these these dungeons and these kink spaces hire need to have anti ableist training and need to have like disability support training. And they're like, because like for me, if I go into one of those spaces, what happens if I have to pee? Who's gonna oh. who's gonna help me? Like, I'm all right. I mean, I'm unless, all... unless I'm into piss play, which I'm not. But if I was, <laughs> like, then I could figure it out. But if I'm not, I need help. Yeah. It, yeah. No, 100%. It needs... We need to be more accessible everywhere. It, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I very rarely go out because toilets are a huge issue for me being oh, yeah. trans. Being trans is... Ooh, <laughs> yeah, being trans, but then also being disabled, like... Yeah, especially because in the UK, the disabled toilets... Um, <sighs> You can have this key, right? There is a key that unlocks all disabled toilets in the country, right? It's quite useful. Wow. Except that, one, you have to pay for it, which is... Oh, that's what? a point of... Yeah, no, you have to pay for it. Um, you have to pay they'll to say, pee. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to pay to pee. You can ask other people, like the company, every company has the same uh, key so that they can open their own... Toilet. Yeah. So you can ask the yeah. company for their key. You don't have to have this. This is if you just you don't want to bother everyone every time you want to go to a loo. You just get your own key. Have to pay for it. But the other problem is that a lot of the disabled toilets are mother and child changing stuff, and women are not all women in the UK are turfs. However, a lot of the women in the UK where I live are. I do not feel safe even in the disabled toilets, just in case there is someone outside, because they could either question me on why I don't look as disabled as I should. They could question me on, am I a man or a woman? They could, and because disabled toilets, it's still gendered in a lot of places. You'll have a disabled, like, toilet, for the women's and a disabled toilet for the men's and so which one do I go in? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay, right. If I go into the dudes, I risk them noticing that I have tits and my tits are really, really noticeable. Like I, I, I can't bind because of my, because of disability and because of the pain. So because of the rods, right? Like, yeah, it hurts to the, 
binders hurt. It's one of the worst things about it all is that I can't bind. But because I can't bind, that means that I can't, although I can pass for cis, like, sort of neck up, yeah. and, like, I will 100% say that online, when I don't show chest, I have passing privilege. But in real life, I do not have passing privilege. My fact is, uh, oh, Keevan Bear on Twitter, at Kiva Bear, has the most amazing quote. I can't remember exactly, but it's to do with how fat feminizes masculine people and masculinizes feminine people, depending on how society views you. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Yeah, so my fat, whereas it used to get earn me being called a beast, being called a dyke, being called a monster, it now gets me called being a faggot, now gets me called being it and a he-she, and it, it's the other way around. Now, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre going from one set of insults to another and just being like, wait, what? Yeah, what? definitely. That's... Like, oh, that's a, that's a new one. All right. Yeah, like, like, oh, it's so wild. The way people treat you is so different. <laughs> and the way that, like, no matter what gender or or lack of gender or whatever it is they still find a way to dehumanize you and that's that oh yeah that's troubling for me it's also troubling Mm -hmm. that like to go back to disabled toilets like when you go to a disabled toilet i have always felt safe and that's where my privilege comes in like i always felt safe i can't imagine being in there and not feeling safe yeah the scariest thing is hearing a baby crying outside because i don't know Who's going to be with that baby? And are they going to question me? Are they going to get up in my face? Are they going to, like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I love kids. Kids are great. Like, I genuinely adore kids. So the fact that the sound of babies crying now makes me really scared. Do it you, sucks. Do you want to be a disabled parent? Is that something you... Yes. Can- one hundred percent, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, I have wanted to be a parent since I was like five. Aww. I've, yeah, I, my mom, my mom, my mom was the best disabled parent. I, I, it was one of the greatest honors of my life knowing her. She, Aww. she is was my best friend, and. She was disabled my entire life. She is how I learned to be disabled and proud. I was her carer before I was me. I was, I was her, I was her care assistant from the age of four onwards. Wow. Yeah, through till when she died the week before my twenty-first birthday. I can't. That's there's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's there's a lot of feelings there. Um, mm-hmm. Um, she she didn't want me to be it, again I was another statistic that slipped through the cracks and I am a direct consequence of the lack of access to care that disabled people have I should never have had the childhood that I did <laughs> well yeah <laughs> that's, that's intense and because I don't want to dwell on that too much I'm going to segue right into another yeah. topic so yeah. one of the things you mentioned is that you have Something that I'd never heard about before. You have aphantasia, which means you have little visual imagination. Which yeah. I going back to how you like to jerk off and have like white yeah. 
noise moments. I can imagine <laughs> that, like, how do you, if you can't fantasize and visualizations are hard for you, how do you, like, how do you do pawn, that? Pawn, pawn, right, so, the reason that I enjoy orgies and stuff so much, because it is live-action pawn, one of my favourite activities is wanking during an orgy. Just, no one touch me, no one come near me, you, you go off, you do, you, you fuck whoever you want, just let me watch. Just let me watch, because I, I can recall images I've seen, that is how my imagination works. If I have seen it before, I can imagine it. If I have never seen it before, you are, are completely out of luck. <laughs> like, oh, wow. so, yeah, yeah. So there are people out there who have zero visual imagination whatsoever. They can't even recall images. Um, it's not a trait of autism, but it is one of those ones that is comorbid. So a lot of autistic people have aphantasia. Um, but... Right, so you know when you close your eyes? Um, yeah, I'm doing it right I'm, now. Right, can you see, like, say, an apple or something, right? Yeah. yeah. You could you could change that for other fruits and maybe change um, the size of it. Change, orange, yeah. Yeah, maybe change the size of the fruit, maybe change the colour. You know, you could manipulate that image in your head. Yeah. I don't. It's like a sideshow. My brain literally disappears the image of an apple and then replaces it like a slideshow with a banana or yeah it, i can't manipulate so the can't, actual can't image in your head so so okay nope. so when you want to yeah. jerk off you can't visual you can't like no create a thing in your mind no so like people who do fanfic people who write dirty stories those people are goddamn magicians to me and my my sex life my specifically masturbation life would not exist without creators like fan art and furry art oh my god furry artists have been a goddamn oh my god right <laughs> so <laughs> i guess you could say i'm a furry by proxy but i'm totally like art is art is art to me like like if you can draw and you can make images from your mind weren't there before and that have never existed before except in your mind you are a goddamn magician and you deserve the world <laughs> that's i mean yes yeah like the, the idea that people have these rich inner imaginations and that they can i don't know imagine fucking their favorite celebrity oh i'd love to i would love to like if i have not seen a celebrity sex tape of that person i don't know what they look like naked and I can't mean, imagine I what they look like naked i used to imagine wanting to fuck chris pratt i mean not so much anymore uh, not so uh, much anymore because he's you know hate fuck it's fine just hate fucking because things, have, things <laughs> have transpired in his life that i'm like i don't know if we can be friends anymore but i used to like he was my jam Oh, it's okay. I don't have to be friends with someone to fuck them. <laughs> As we've learned, speaking of yeah. people that you weren't friends with, I want. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you said when you were in seven, you were when you were seventeen, eighteen in college, you mm -hmm. dumbed people for money. <laughs> yep. Yep. So okay. So like, amazing. I I am the poor friend. I have always been the poor friend. Growing up not just disabled myself but with a disabled mother we are below the poverty line yeah. i the poverty line is so far away that it is a dot to me and i wish i knew what it looked like <laughs> oh shit yeah no we uh, 
yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I, I, a lot of my life is very, very, very below the poverty line. So, got to college. I managed to get into a college that was reasonably posh for the area that, that I grew up in. I managed to, it was about 45 minutes away from where I grew up, um, up in this historic little village. It was beautiful. My best friend grew up in this village. I'd, I, I, I really only went to college there so that I could spend more time with him. I'm going to be completely oh, honest. Oh, you had unrequited love. Oh, not unrequited. He is my platonic soulmate. We have been best friends for over 15 years. I have really. one of those. It's really the best. He, he was the first gay boy in my life who was actually nice to me and not just because he wanted to use me as an experiment to see if he was gay. It oh. was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, oh, was, wow. he was the first... Oh, he, he is my, Craig is my everything. Craig is... Craig... Craig is the one that I cannot do without. I love every, I love my partner, but she she can go fuck off. <laughs> I love her deeply, but Craig is everything. But he lived in this this little historic town with a college in, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go there for college. It's going to be great. Forgetting Craig isn't. Craig comes from a very rich family, so I go. I arrive in the September. Everything's great. I um then quickly realised that everything, and I mean everything, is expensive. Like, not just a little bit expensive, but, like, middle-class to upper-class expensive. Yeah. Like, like this, our everything college building... Posh. Yeah, our college building, literally a grade-A-listed historical building. Like, that levels of old English posh. Wow. Um, yeah. And it turns out most of my friends went to some kind of private school. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I quickly realized I did not have the money to keep up with these people. And it was just like, oh, no, I we're on a very, very fixed income, very fixed income. This is not going to happen. And I'd been having sex at that point for four years. I'd been into kinky stuff with people my age for about three of those years. I got bored with vanilla sex very quickly. There's only so much you can do with P and V, and it's just... I got very bored very, very quickly of of mediocre white boys. Um, (laughs) And it just... So I was like, okay, right, I need to come up with a job. I have no education yet because I'm currently getting it, so I can't, like, there's no, like, you know, sort of decent paying jobs in the area that I'm going to be able to apply to as, like, a 18, 17, 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, wh- what can I do? I don't mind having sex with people, but I don't want to be a prostitute just because I don't trust people around here in terms of having sex with them, getting tested, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Can I somehow get paid to do sex with my clothes on? That was that was all I was thinking. Was can, can I do the sex with the clothes on? Can can we do? And then my friend said to me about how they'd come across a phone dom line. You know, like a, a phone a operator. Sort yeah, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. But specifically a kinky one. Like it was a it was essentially a um, jack off instruction style, um, like phone line. Yeah. And that, and that got me thinking, you know, it's like, well, if people would pay for that over the phone, how much would they pay for, like, someone to face-to-face tell them how to jack it off? Like, you know, that's that's a thing. I wonder if someone would pay for that. 
And so I found my horniest dude friend. And I was like, okay, would you pay me to tell you how to jack off? And he was like, wait, what? And I was just like, would you pay me to tell you how to jack off? And he was like, yes, yes, I would. Because how often does a girl come into your DMs and just be like, I want to pay, I want you to pay me to tell you how to jack off. And he was just like, oh, yeah, okay. And then he was like, do you do spanking? And I was just like, I do now. Sure, yeah. Like, if you'll yeah, pay, I, I sure do. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. I'll do that. And so I established with him. And then he told his friend, who told his friend. I had several older gentlemen who um, kept me kept me well stocked in cigarettes, in drinks, in everything I needed for college to help with the social life. Fantastic, um, yep, good. I got cash a lot of the time, not just goods, but I, I've always been a very not bothered about cash if you'll buy me the thing that I want anywhere. Yeah. Like, so... So if you're fine just buying, like, say, I, I, I don't know, for example, if you're fine buying me, I don't know, uh, some drinks at a bar, go order my drinks and then leave, buy. Yeah. The, the, the do that. And it was just, oh, oh, you, you buy me the drinks and then fuck off. And then all I have to do is just tell you how to come. That's, I mean, that seems like it's too easy. That seems like I'd do that for free. But I mean, and, I think that's a really cool thing because being disabled that's a really easy way to like yeah. bring sex yeah. work into disability and not have to worry about typical ideas of sex work you can still be a sex worker and not have it be this it doesn't have to be necessarily a body thing you can you can use your domination yeah. to feed yourself and that's really kind of cool the i think my favorite time i think i think the thing that i so there's a guy <laughs> And he liked to masturbate in public. And he also liked to do a little bit of food play. So okay. what what I did, <laughs> I told him to go masturbate into some food and then go eat it in public. And and he did. He <laughs> masturbated in the middle of a field in, God, temperature must have been like midwinter in England. Oh no! So basically like he, 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 the thing is, I said you don't have to do it yet. I said you can pick a time that's more better for temperature. Something warmer for It was you. just, yeah, it was just one of these, because um, I often make suggestions not as a, you have to do them right now, but at some point, would you be interested in doing this thing? Yeah. But he took it to mean that he had to do it right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was um, Angel Delight. It's this pink, like, pudding type texture thing and he came into a bowl of fat and then ate it on cam for me and oh he paid me God. a lot of money for the privilege <laughs> you basically just told her to jerk off and you gotta pay for it yeah yeah i told him to jerk off and then eat it and then i got paid but like it. but like i mean i could do that fuck like hey anybody want me exactly. anybody wants me to down them on the computer and tell them to eat things that they've come into, <laughs> I can do that. It's a very accessible sex option for me as a disabled person. Isn't it just? It's so that it's why I I genuinely, if it wasn't for the fact that at the moment my health is far and far too unpredictable to make commitments, I would one hundred percent be doing it again. But because my health is completely fucked at the moment. I can't 
commit myself, but the second I am, oh, the second I am. <laughs> I love how excited you are. You guys can't see, but um, but Rue is so excited right now at the idea of, like, so excited. Oh, my goodness. I, I, it may or may not be, and it's not my fault. It's just really fun to have control over people. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're, you know, I, I think control is an important thing to talk about, too, because we as disabled people and you being poor and disabled and transitioning and all yeah. this stuff had no control over a lot of this stuff. So doming as a disabled person is a way for you to be like, fuck you. I have a friend, my mm-hmm. best friend, actually, is she doesn't, she'll, she'd never call herself a dom, but she is one. And I always tell her, I'm like, you're a dom because of your disability ah. and because you like the control over these people and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. Oh, yeah. No, I 100% own the fact that if I were not disabled, I would probably be a sub most of the time. But I have found this thrill. This this It's a unique thrill of being able to make people twitch. It's, it's, some, it's one of these really weird things, but I love it. Nothing more than when someone twitches in response to something you've done and especially when they can't help themselves and it's like a very bodily reaction yeah and it's when they cannot control their physical reactions that is uh... well that's awesome <laughs> for you because you've spent and you understand that intimately because your whole life has been not being able to control your your what your body mm-hmm. wants to do and your physical stuff so i, I get why that's a turn on for you because you get to see the tables turn for a minute and that's i think as disabled people to be to be dominant is a rarity and so i'm really i'm excited for you that that's a thing you can still hold on to and also how your disability enhances that for you for them and for you oh it totally does it it, yeah it 100 percent enhances so much like especially because so many people assume it the the because you're disabled you're a sub and you must be the one receiving you know like you have very little agency in your sex life it's it's very liberating to turn around and with permission be like fuck no grab their throat and then tell them to shut the fuck up and just you know like to be able to switch that to turn into the beast that everybody calls you with permission mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah it's it's something being socialized female, I was told not to do so much, and it has taken a lot of work on my partner Lamy's like part. She has worked with me wonderfully through actually allowing myself to enjoy doming because back when I was at college, I did doming, but there was very little emotional, like you know, sexual response to it. It was I was doing it for money. I was doing it for there was reasons I was doing it, whereas these days I know I would get a hell of a kick out of it. <laughs> because, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds like it's so much fun. There's so much more I want to talk to you about, but we've been going on for an hour now. So uh, we'll have to find a way for you to come back on the show. Or when I, go to, when I get to the UK, we will have lunch and you can feed yes. me things in... Platonic or not platonic ways, but I haven't decided yet. Uh, but this was so awesome, and I can't believe this is your first podcast because you, this was great. Um, and I'm so glad that our mutual friend Aiden forced you to do this because you were. This is great. Um, Thank you. 
I'm so ha- I'm so ha- I'm, this is just such a great conversation. I'm I'm genuinely I'm so pleased I did it and I'm so pleased that you asked me and yes yes I would more than happily come on any time and would talk to you for hours because we you're thoroughly impressed. Well, thank you. We'll figure out a way to make that a thing that we do. Um, but I want to make sure that people can get a hold of you and follow your stuff. And I follow yeah. you on the Twitty on the Tweety. Um, mm-hmm. But give us all the ways that people can get a hold of you. Okay, right. So it is uh, at Rue underscore the letter B underscore arts on Twitter. And it is Rue dot B dot arts on Instagram. They are my only socials for the moment. All right. I will make sure that all of that's in the show notes. This was really fun. So it was super surprising. There were moments that I was like, whoa, okay, good. Uh, but this was <laughs> such a great chat, and I loved having you. And Rue, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Andrew. I genuinely appreciate it. You've been a delight. It was, and I have you. You're awesome. <laughs> but I'm going to hit off so we can talk freely. And um, yeah, thanks. Okay. Bye. All right, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following Pod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment You help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Cripple Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019